Yeah, so it was an incredible, um, incredible finding as well. We we really asked businesses to say, you know, in comparison to 2019, what were your 2020 numbers, uh, your employment numbers? And what we found through asking that question is that they were able to preserve more jobs than they lost. And in some very rare cases, they were able to create jobs. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Brentus Foundation podcast. This is the platform where we talk about the African continent's biggest and most pressing issues and leverage best practice, not just on what to do, but how to do it. I'm your host, Marina Wong-Mokolo, and it's a pleasure to be here with you today. If you've been here before, thank you for tuning in again. And if it's your first time joining us, well, welcome to you. It's good to have you here. Um, do check out our previous episodes for more insightful content and commentary, of course. If you have thoughts, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn as the Brentis Foundation. We would love to engage with you. Okay, so when COVID-19 touched South African soil, there were concerns about lives, considering a number of vulnerabilities in the South African population, but also about livelihoods. Already one of the most unequal countries in the world, as well as a country with challenging economic circumstances even pre-COVID-19. So, Nikki and Jonathan Oppenheimer, patrons of the Brentis Foundation, um, together with their family, set up the South African Future Trust, a public benefit organization with a 1 billion rand donation um, from Oppenheimer Generations Foundation to provide financial relief to uh, small, medium and micro enterprises and their employees that were at risk of losing their jobs or suffering a loss of income because of the COVID-19 crisis. The funds were accessed through five-year interest-free loans and supported small, medium and micro enterprises by providing a payment to employees for 15 weeks, thereby freeing up working capital for these small businesses. A remarkable initiative if I do say so myself. So, this week, I caught up with Ashley Finn Munda. Ashley is an economist and social investment associate at Oppenheimer Generations Philanthropies. She has been instrumental in managing the South African Future Trust um, since she joined the group, and we chatted about the findings from a recent survey of the recipients of the loan and the lessons for the next 19 years of the South African Future Trust existence. Yes, the South African Future Trust will be around to provide a lot more support over the coming years. So, Ashley, welcome. It's good to have you on here. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm all good. Thanks in yourself. I'm perfect. Thank you. So before I start, I'd like to say a big thank you, first of all, for agreeing to do this on the podcast. I know it's a busy time for you preparing this report and rolling it out. So thank you. Thank you. Sure thing. Um, not a problem. Yeah. To get us started and warmed up, um, I thought we could engage in, you know, like a quick game to familiarize ourselves and the audience with who you are. Are you ready? Oh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right. So literally, it, it probably sounds a little more intimidating than it is, but uh, I'm just going to ask okay. you a question and you just see what comes to mind. Um, and so, yeah. All right. So what was the first job on your resume, Ashley? Um, oh. I think it was a monitoring and evaluation officer for the School of Economics at UCT. Not very glamorous. Oh, that sounds intense for your first job. All right. Do you speak any other languages? No, unfortunately not. Just English for now. (laughs) Do you have any hobbies or skills that people don't know about? Sure. I love to cook. Love, love Mm -hmm. cooking. Um, 
and would happily save my day cooking if I could. <laughs> no, that sounds like a good skill to have and a good hobby to have. Jeez, a learn thing or it two. Keeps you well fed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what best describes your work day? Oh, um, flexible. I would say because mm. sometimes it's very busy uh, with lots of meetings with meetings very interesting people it's all very new and sometimes it can be like quite slow and I have lots of time to read and catch my breath and think things through so it's a good combination mm. are you a zero inbox person oh yes yes I'm both <laughs> personal and work definitely I'm like no I don't need any of these notifications I just I need this thing to go like I don't need to yeah. see a number this. thank you very much and my my email I find is like my to-do list as well so I'm just like too yeah. many things in there. like no 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 we can't operate this way all right so what's the one skill you underestimated but has served you really well um during work um probably data analysis I always thought I was really bad at it and mm. um and I've slowly come to to love it and and try to get better at it um yeah yeah, yeah that's good what's the last show you watched Ashley um oh that would probably be Downton Abbey <laughs> did, did a rewatch is it I was about to ask is this the first time or is it a rewatch no, it's definitely a rewatch. Um, yeah, I, I love me a period drama, not going to lie to you. <laughs> yeah, those are good for sure. All right, so with the report, what was your favorite finding from this report, the SAFT report? I think um, it was women-owned businesses, the number of women-owned businesses that we supported. Yeah, no, I definitely had a question on that. I was just like, this, this is just a great way to start my week. Thank you so much for engaging um, with that. That was pretty cool. All right. So on to actual business of saving livelihoods. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, where this idea came from um, and why Oppenheimer Generations Foundation led by Nikki and Jonathan did this in the first place? Sure. So the SA Future Trust was really catalyzed by the lockdown that was announced in March 2021. It was quite clear that small businesses would be hard hit and that, if you provided them with access to funding and that could help them pay their employees, um, we could either prevent them from closing altogether or um, we could prevent some job losses. And so the SA Future Trust was set up to be able to provide funding to these businesses very quickly with as little bureaucracy as, as possible, because we all know that SMEs face a lot of red tape in this country. So we wanted yeah. to be able to alleviate some of the pressure that, had, that was on them, considering that they are time and time again referred to as our engine of growth for our economy. Oh, amazing. So how many people did it serve and what kinds of people actually did it serve? Sure. So in total, um, the we deployed about 1.04 billion rands um, in loans to 9,656 businesses, and that went on to support 92,993 employees. Mm. Uh, to in order to get a sense of who those employees were, we sent out a survey between mm -hmm. October 2020 and March 2021 to all our loan holders and. Really, it was to see who are they, where do they operate from, 
What was the impact of receiving the loan? And what were their expectations for the future? Um, and like I said sort of earlier is that one of the interesting findings was that we had supported a significant number of women-owned businesses, but there was no gender targets that had been set when the when the um, future trust was set up at all. So this was incredibly interesting for us. Um, we also found that because we had used or we partnered with the banks, not used, but we had partnered with the banks, um, we managed to reach businesses in every single province in the country. But most of our sample was concentrated, as you can imagine, in the main economic hub. So that's Gauteng, KwaZulu-Natal and Western Cape. Um, Oh, and then I was just going to say in terms of sectoral distribution as well, so diving a little bit deeper, we the the distribution of our sample mirrored that of the sector's contribution to GDP. So agricultural businesses made up a really small percentage of about just under 3%, and then industry made up about a third of our sample, just under at about 28%, and services made up 65%, so just over two-thirds. Um, and this... For us, it was unsurprising, given that we are a service-based economy. We did expect that yeah, finding, but it was still interesting to know what yeah. that sectoral breakdown looked like. Yeah, and it literally mirrored the economy. That's pretty cool. The finding on, like, sort of the women-owned businesses, and I think, you know, I, I, I chuckled a little bit, and I was just like, ha, ah, I love this. When I read that, you know, approved women-owned businesses at least proved to be more resilient than their male counterparts, I thought that was pretty cool. Do you have some idea of why that is yet? Um, so I think we need to delve into that a little bit more, but we know that f how we came to that finding is that fewer women-owned businesses closed in comparison to their male counterparts. There is some suggestions in the literature that um, when women have access to credit, they are more, they are better at repaying it. They are better at making a plan to repay that money and, yeah. and keeping their businesses afloat. They, I think they have sometimes stronger connections to the communities they operate in. And a lot of our base was um, these community-based businesses, we, which were really getting their revenue from, from people in the community that they were interacting with. So a hair salon or a restaurant or local pool cleaners. Um, so that that's some of my guesses, but it definitely needs a little bit more uh, research into it. Yeah, that's that. I mean, it's more broadly speaking. I know, for instance, a lot of the literature, even in the development space, for instance, like we find that usually in terms of who to give money to or to support in their household, it tends to work better when it's given to the women. So it's so interesting yeah. that in for me, it's like a real life example. It's just like, no way, this is pretty cool. Um, and you see how literature translates to like, you know, practical realities of life. Um, so that was pretty cool for me. Um, another question I wanted to ask was from the survey, Ryan, from interacting with um, the recipients of this loan, what were some of the biggest challenges for the people who took the soft, you know, interest-free loans? In terms of challenges, um, uh, what do you mean by that? So what are some of the, I guess, the main difficulties that people had to deal with, I guess, apart from the financial element, which SAFT was able to help with? I don't know if that's something you were able to get to um, with sure. the survey. So I, yeah. I think so. I think it's a number of things. So I think if we look sort of pre-COVID times, we know that SMEs were struggling to access finance. They've always, throughout the, the, the research literature, they mm -hmm. have been known to not been able to access credit when they need it. Um, so 
being able to access a SAF loan, especially one that was interest-free and had all these favorable terms, that really helped on that case. But then if we look now entering the pandemic, what they were dealing with was a lot of shifts in regulations. So for South Africa, we worked on a level system. So as we as the number the COVID cases fluctuated, we got moved to different levels and each level had their own regulations. So businesses right. then had to respond to those regulations. And what we saw is that while that was quite a challenge, um, they have been able to adapt their businesses. So shifting things online, for instance, or if a restaurant, you pick up your meals instead of having it as sit down. So they've really adapted their models to meet their customer needs, but also at the same time, as the regulations eased, created safe working environments for their businesses. So we saw that businesses were able to provide masks and screen and sanitize regularly and even, you know, be able to support their employees while they worked from home. So at some times it was a challenge, but they also sort of rose to the occasion and really were able to meet the challenge and keep operating as best they can, which really points to their resilience. Resilience, yeah, exactly. Um, did the SAFT uh, help to create jobs in addition to preserving existing ones? Yeah, so it was an incredible, um, incredible finding as well. We we really asked businesses to say, you know, in comparison to 2019, what were your 2020 numbers, uh, your employment numbers? And what we found through asking that question is that they were able to preserve more jobs than they lost, which is what, what is part, what is the initial um, focus of the SA Future Trust. And in some very rare cases, I mean, the numbers are quite small, so it didn't, they were able to create jobs, but that doesn't mean that the jobs created offset those ones that were lost. Um, but it still points to this resilience and it also points to them being able to create jobs during very tough economic climates. Yeah, no. And one of the things I remember seeing when I was reading this report um, earlier was, I think when you were talking about, you know, I guess, forward-looking sort of recommendations. It wasn't just about, you know, trying to find some women-owned business to support financially, but you also mentioned to include non-financial support. Is that something that came out of the survey or from conversations with people? And what kinds of support um, were you guys thinking about um, when you highlighted that in the report? Sure. So when I joined, I sort of embarked on quite a big research project to try and find the gaps in the ecosystem, in the SME ecosystem, to see where we could leverage support and who we could partner with. So what I've spoken about previously was really phase one of, of the SA Future Trust. And now in phase two, we've identified that, you know, women-owned businesses, as we've spoken about, but also youth-owned and businesses who operate in the township economy or the informal economy, um, they really struggle to access and unlock finance. And so we've decided that in the sort of next iteration, what we're calling phase two, we really are going to try and reach those businesses. And in the first phase, we use the banks. And in the second phase, we're using what's known as non-financial intermediaries who are able to provide both financial support and non-financial support. So in some cases, it's really some training, some coaching, mentoring, or, or even access to back office support, such as graphic design, HR, legal services, bookkeeping services that some businesses are struggling with. And if they just had a little bit of access to this, um, they could gain the skills that would allow them to grow their businesses a little bit more. Well, that's, I mean, that's amazing and fantastic um, because, I mean, usually when you do, you know, 
that's still not enough financial support that businesses get, but also mm-hmm. you find conversations with entrepreneurs is that, you know, non-financial support is, is also quite important, sometimes just as yeah. important um, to give them sort of the leg up to be able to do some of these things. So it's really interesting to see that that's one of the things you are, um, you guys are considering for, you know, the next um, phase of this. And speaking about that, so um, the SA Futures Trust is now going to be around until, is it 2040? Yes, that is correct. So we have um, until 2040. The, the way the money worked in phase one is that it went out as a loan, as a five-year interest-free loan, and it, it will come back. And we will have the space within those five years and, and actually over the next sort of 19 years to continue to support economic growth through SME development and really become what we are calling a champion for small business to really engage in quite hard uh, subject matter and the big challenges they're facing and try to see if we can we can help in any way we can. I mean, that's pretty amazing, especially the focus. And I think, you know, one of the things I garnered from the report is this like focus on like micro businesses. I think quite a number of the people mm-hmm. that you supported had, is it like less than 10 employees? Like, yeah, that's small, that small. And that's pretty amazing and very rare as well. Mm-hmm. Um, usually don't fit the par- the parameters of some of these things that mm. um, people mention. All right, so before we wrap up, Ashley, is there anything that you wanted to say about this report that maybe we didn't get to? I know it's coming out. Well, by the time this episode comes out, it should be out. Um, but you have the next couple of busy days getting this ready. <laughs> yeah, sure. I think I think maybe just to touch on a few things, it's that, you know, when when the lockdown was announced, we really didn't know what other relief would be available. And so when we did our survey, we did look at um, what else people had, what else business owners had taken up. And it was interesting to find that for at least 50% of our sample, they reported to only have taken up an SA Future Trust loan. Um, and so this means that, especially for your point about micro businesses, that they were either unable to unlock that finance because they weren't eligible or because the process was too compliant heavy. And by providing this innovative financial product, we were able to meet that need and fill that gap for those 50% of business who might not have been, who might not have accessed any other funding or any other relief at all. Um, And we also found that businesses, particularly those who've been able to access finance. And I think it's important uh, for your listeners to know, you know, they feel very optimistic about the future, but they were responding. Majority of the responses really were gathered between February and March. And that was at the, if you can imagine, the tail end of our second wave. Lots of the regulations had been eased. I think the country was on level one. It was summertime. People were going out. Things were feeling a bit like they were back to normal. And so I think that the optimism in these responses captures that time. Um, We hadn't yet had the July political unrest, which, you know, negatively impacted many businesses in um, Gauteng and KZN. Um, And so so this finding sometimes now feels a little bit out of place uh, based on what we know. You know, now we've gone on a third wave. It's impacted a lot of businesses a lot more. But I think we need to remember which time it's reflective of um, and, and know that if you are going to, that if you provide access to finance, you can shift the levels of optimism that businesses Mm -hmm. have 
No, that's definitely an important point to me. And is it um, open for people to sort of apply on like a rolling basis or is this, you know, certain periods where you're going to open up um, for people to be able to apply um, in the future? Sure. So right now it's closed. The, the sort of phase one has been closed and then mm -hmm. phase two is open and they've targeted specific businesses Um for instance, so Womhub is specifically focuses on female founders and A2Pay on spaza shop owners and TechnoServe mm. on sort of youth and women businesses and lastly River Sands on light manufacturing. So they all have specific target markets, um, mm. but we do encourage that we're not going to be around, we're going to be around for a very long time. And I'm sure that the products and the processes that we kind of come out with are going to be incredibly innovative. So we do encourage all your listeners to watch this space and see what we do mm. and where possible, where it is open to, to apply for, for what the SA Future Trust offers in the future. That's a lot of times I said future. <laughs> <laughs> because we are thinking about the future. It's important. Um, in terms of people repaying loans, I know it's like a five-year window that you've given. Mm -hmm. What's that looking like? Are you optimistic? Have people started repaying? What's that looking like on your side? Yeah, so I think, um, I think with anything at this present moment, it's quite a mixed bag. Mm. Um, so people, you know, we've seen all things some people have, um, you know, either cancelled their loans because they don't, they no longer need them, in which that that's fine. Other people are paying small amounts of money in, which we think is great because any money that does come into the SA Future Trust goes to support other small businesses, as we've right. as we've discussed. And you know, there are some businesses who unfortunately have gone into business rescue and aren't unable to pay, and we're not quite sure of the magnitude of that and the impact on our loan book. Um, but I think once we get through the sort of first first year, second year, we'll have a better sense right. of whether people can pay or not. And it is interest free, free for five years. So it is fine if people aren't paying back now. We really want them to be focused on their businesses and helping them survive and then grow and then pay our loan back, which in 2025, I probably will be able to give you a better answer to this question. Yeah, Ashley, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been such an insightful conversation. Um, everyone, the South Africa Futures Trust Report will be out on September 9th or is out already. Um, from my perspective, it offers great insights um, that can serve several purposes, whether it's, you know, starting something like this, parameters to decide, you know, who to partner with to deliver a service, lessons from supporting micro businesses, so much more. So do check it out. Ashley, where can they find the report? You can find it at www.southafricanfuturetrust.org. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ashley. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed my time. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Ashley Finn Munda of Oppenheimer Generations speaking about the South African Future Trust and its very first pilot program, if we can call it that. As always, if you enjoyed this content, share it with others and subscribe as well to our channel. As Ashley mentioned, visit www.southafricafuturetrust.org to learn more or to reach out to Ashley's team to engage with subsequent programs. Uh, thank you again for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Until next week, stay safe. Au revoir.